of the Filthy Net Deckers podcast, the podcast where if you don't like the food, it's free. I'm your mythic top 400 host, Nate. Whoa. You can find me around the web at Darth Heretic if you so desire. And, of course, I'm joined by my amazing co-host and content creator of the year. I don't know where he gets his information from. Tony! <laughs> you can find him around as MTG to underscore Tony. And if, you, if you'd like to get a hold of him. If you want to get a hold of both of us together, the best place would be our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Filthy And for the low price of a dollar and a quarter an episode, you can help support the podcast that you all know and love. I don't know how you reminded me of this. But if you, like, paid a penny per episode and gave me a dollar, I'd have to give you a uh, a nickelback. And like a rock star, I would. I'd ask you to look at this photograph, because every time I do, it makes me laugh. Does it, Tony? And if it was your last day, you'd probably want to burn it to the ground. I guess I'd have to thank you for saving me by keeping it far away. That's just what we do when we stand together, Nate. Tony, it... it, it... It hurts me, the fact you went to that specific well. It yeah, it does me. it? It's, you know, I I respect you, and I respect your music choices, and, you know, I know you like bands like Rancid. Rancid's yes. a great band. And you like other bands in that genre of, like, punk, pops. I mean, that's pop, my... Punk. punk is your thing. Why are we talking Nickelback? Why, Tony? Because <laughs> we get a nickel back. It, it makes me happy if, that I only really understood three of those. Hmm. Yeah, those are the top, like, seven songs by them, or nine I, I, songs. Honestly, the I want to burn it to the ground, save me for keeping it far away, and that's what we do when we stand together. I don't get those. And well, that's, that's why I put those happy. at the end. Agreed. I'm happy I don't get the, the look at this photograph and Rockstar. Clearly, those were huge songs, but Nickelback, really? Nickelback, really? baby. Really? I mean, come on, it's hilarious. I want to delete this I... whole thing and start all over again, because I don't want Nickelback on my podcast. <laughs> oh, too record, late. You're, it is okay to hate Nickelback. People are like, people hate Nickelback for no reason. No, no, no. There are reasons to hate Nickelback. But if Nickelback you... hates Nickelback. Sure. <laughs> like, the lead sure. singer looked back on the, you know, the photograph song. And, like, he made fun of it in a video. It's it's not even that song. It's more of all of the music that was coming out around that time sounded yep. like Nickelback, because that was the only thing the radio played. And as a person who likes rock and roll music, it hurts. It, it stinks that there is, like, a good ten years of music that you just can't listen to, because it's all the same. It's all the same sound. And sure... Sure, I get that. Kids will look at me. Mm -hmm. I had a kid look at me and be like, Nate, all your music ends in five minutes of guitar solos. And I said, listen here, you little shit. You're right, <laughs> but <laughs> you be uh, quiet, okay? See, that's what I like about punk music, for the most part. It's, it's short and it's sweet. You know, give me two minutes of music and I'm good. But it all sounds the same. Yeah, it all sounds the same. You, you, but you get when someone says it all sounds the same, and you're like, no, it doesn't. Oh, wait, yeah, it kind, it kind of does. Oh, it definitely does, yes. <laughs> when someone's like, oh, is this the Beatles, or is this Led Zeppelin? And I'm like, this is clearly Queen. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> they all sound the same to me. No, no. Okay, oh. maybe I get where you're coming from, but they have different sounds. <laughs> Ouch, that one hurts right there. 
doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yep. <clears throat> uh, yeah, anyway, I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, the spring music stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. But anyway, we have a very full episode for you today because this is our top 10 episode. Yeah. Or top 20. Could be no, top 20 episodes. Tony, you don't have 20. You can't go through 20 cards. I'm sorry. I'm not letting you. What I if I told be... you, Nate? What if I told you? Yeah. That I had 23 today. I'm going to cut you off. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> we're done, Tony. I'm cutting but you off. But there's so many good time. things to talk about. I, I won't understand. I won't expound upon them, you know? You're getting cut off. That's I'm telling you. Anyway. Uh, first, we're going to start uh, with our FND 101. You are a card preview alcoholic, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to talk about the week that was in our lives. I had a very busy week this week. Right. And then we're going to s- skip over casual upgrades this week because we're going to take our 10 cards that we would have talked about in the casual upgrades and then add them to the 10 cards from March of the Machines we want to talk about to give wow. us our top 20. You, you really didn't even and then, there is no casual upgrade here. He knew he was going to put 23 cards in. It was like, I didn't oh. know I was going to. I just yeah. knew we take a long time when we do this. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll go over any magic news that might have occurred this week and then we're going to finish up if we have time with any deck lists. Sorry, we've already wasted 10 minutes in our dumb intro talking about Nickelback. Oh, you love Nickelback. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> okay. FND 101. Nate, what you do this week? It's funny, I hear that. I hear that before it happens. I was looking at the script you have, all of the stuff you want to talk about for FND 101 written down here, and I'm yep. looking at it, and I hear in my head, you saying FND 101, <laughs> singing it, and then going, Nate, what'd you do this week? <laughs> I mean, I try to be consistent every week. That way people know what to expect. Uh, my week was good. Um, it was gorgeous here this week. I know you weren't here. You were, like, out west in uh, Vegas. But it was gorgeous here this weekend for, like, the first time ever. Mm. Not the first time ever, but the first time this season. So I started doing, like, outside work on my house. Stuffed on, like, the outside. Cleaned up my garage a bit. We ended up stringing lights out to the little... We got, like, this little gazebo um, screen house outside. The screens aren't in it. They have we have the screens. They're in the garage, but we haven't put them in yet. But we, my wife bought furniture off of like Facebook market marketplace for seventy bucks. Four chairs and a table. Oh, right. beautiful! Threw those out there. Tried to put the screens in and realized there's no <clears throat> hardware to put the screens in the um hmm. in the slates. Okay. There's three slates on each side to put them in. Just no hardware to keep them up there. And yeah. The person over at Home Depot was no help at all when I showed him the picture. So I've got to do some research and figure out how to hold those in there. That's probably going to be sense. my day today. Because, again, it's gorgeous out today. And I'm going to spend yeah, some time it is already gorgeous out when it's this nice out. Yeah, I went to go get a coffee today in shorts and a t-shirt. Just yeah. walked down there, grabbed it, came yeah. back. My wife and I went to do it last Wednesday. We were going to do all of this last Wednesday. And we went outside, and it was freezing, and I looked at her, I'm like, I don't want to do this right now. It's too cold to do this. (laughs) I want to enjoy doing this. I want to be out here and enjoying it. And then over the weekend, as we were doing it, we cleaned off the table. We sprayed off the table and, like, gave it a good cleaning because it had clearly been outside all winter at the last place. 
So we gave it a nice clean down. And as we're clean, I'm like, see, it's gorgeous out right now. I so did not want to do this while we were freezing last week. She goes, yeah, today's a much smarter idea for it. I'm like, yeah, there's no, it doesn't need to get done. Let's wait till it's gorgeous out so we can enjoy the day outside. Strung up some yeah. lights out there. And then we waited till nighttime and I uh, used my little smart home technology and turned on the lights from the house so I could see how much it brightened the thing. And whoa, that's very bright. It's, it's, we're not going to have a problem seeing out there. And it's Excellent. not too bright. It's not like you're going to blind yourself just by sitting out there. So we're very excited. Bought a grill. Excellent. Um, I'm going to be real picky on my grill when I finally buy a grill. This grill was a $250 grill marked down to 100 bucks. So I don't care what it is. For $100, <laughs> as long as it grills a burger, I'm happy. You know what I mean? Yep. But if so, I'm going to be spending like $200, $300 on a grill, I'm going to want it to last a while. And I'm kind of kind of be picky about what I get because if I'm going to be using it for that long, I'm going to have specific needs for it. For $100, mm-hmm. I don't have any specific needs. It just needs to grill a burger. Yep, and I'm sure it'll work. It'll work well, I'm sure. Correct. <clears throat> uh, my couple grills ago, I ended up getting like a, I don't know, $700 grill mm-hmm. for like $250. Yep. Because it was at the end of the year, it was the middle of winter, mm-hmm. and I, you know, was at Home Depot. I'm like, "Ooh, here we go." Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to use it for months, but it was it was great. Yeah, you could like uh, bake cakes on it. Like wow. you could set you could set a temperature, and it would automatically keep it at that temperature, nice. just like an oven. Nice. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Like you had yeah. to plug it in, and it had all sorts of features. Yeah, I definitely. I would like a higher tech grill that can do some stuff. I want a smoker too. I know you've got a smoker, and I've always been jealous of that, so... Yes. Definitely want some, you know... I, I like to cook. I want my outdoor cooking area to be nice. But right now, for 100 bucks, we're taking it. We're going. We're doing it. We're going to have a good summer. We're going to... Our pla- We already have planned to sit out there and, uh, and play games. We played D&D on Sunday. Sunday was, um... Was How's the wind out there? Um... Okay, so far. Okay. We can, we probably won't be able to play Magic out there, but we could easily sit around and play, like, D&D. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, we did D&D over the weekend, and on holidays, when my restaurant closes, the entire kitchen staff gets together and plays D&D, because it's the only time the kitchen staff can get together to play D&D, because if not, somebody's working. Yeah, that makes sense. So we, uh, we enjoyed D&D. I bought my first D&D book actual physical book your first one ever first one ever about three of them at the same time actually how much are D books tony uh, about 45 dollars a piece about 45 dollars a piece so if i told you i got three D books for 108 dollars you would yep, say that's, that's a good deal right that's a pretty good deal yeah that's a pretty good deal so i got the um <clears throat> the player's guide the tasha's guide to everything or Tasha's Cauldron of Everything and Xanthar's Guide to Everything. Okay. All three nice. of those books, which are good books to have. And I got their digital copies for D&D Beyond. So mm-hmm. if I want to use the digital versions online, and the digital copies of these books are $30 each. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I got all of them for $108. Six, technically six books. D&D Beyond was having a sale that was having a sale 40% off this bundle of both books and I'm like 
all right. And I called up my wife. I'm like, I kind of want to spend $100 on D&D books. Does that sound crazy to you? She goes, no, that sounds like a steal. Take it. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna. Yep, yep. Yeah, because that should have cost, what, $90, $130, for just, for just the physical books, never mind the digital copies. Yeah, yeah. There's another $60, another um, $90 in digital copies there, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm like, I have to get this. I not, But now that I've spent actual money, I want to play D&D more. Because <laughs> now I've spent actual... I've been playing D&D for like three years now, at not having spent a cent. Either friends bought yeah, books. Yeah, you can definitely or, do that. Or D&D Beyond is just a great resource to play with without needing anything else. But I've been wanting, now that I've been playing, I've been wanting to build more intricate characters. And the last character I did was basically the character of the Mandalorian from The Mandalorian. But to do that, I needed Tasha's Guide. And you can, okay. down, you can illegally download this stuff from the internet for free. Everything's online for free, illegally. But once I got it, I'm like, I really, I really want this physical book. And people brought the physical books, and I'm sitting there with physical books in front of me going, all right, okay, yep, yep, time for some physical books. If I'm going to be going this deep, I need the physical books to be doing this. So I'm excited. I always like the physical books anyway. I'm just a tactile person, so I yeah. like to touch things. Yeah. I still, I don't, I've never used a Kindle. I've tried, and it didn't work for me. I like the paper, I like the books in my hand. I greatly enjoy having a book on my phone. So I always have it in my hand. Yeah. I That's the only thing I can say about having, not on my iPad, because I have an iPad. And if I have a book on my iPad, I won't read it as often as if it's on my phone. And instead of spending, I got five minutes, what am I going to do? Scroll through Facebook, scroll through Twitter, scroll through TikTok, whatever you do for five minutes on your phone. Instead, I'm reading a book. And I feel mm-hmm. better about myself when I'm doing that, you know. Instead of doom scrolling a social media site, I'm actually enhancing myself, even if it's even if it's only rereading Harry Potter for the 80th time. <laughs> All right, nice. enough about me. What about your week? You had a busy week this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wednesday, I pretty much flew all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a layover in Houston. Of course, there was a large lightning storm happening awesome. in Houston, so we were able to land. But then we couldn't take off. Great. So I was there for three and a half hours, waiting and waiting. Finally, we got on, and a couple planes were still in the air trying to land. And a bunch of people were trying to make our flight from there. And they didn't make it. So so I had all sorts of seats to lay out in. It was so nice. I uh, Once I got to Vegas, I still had to drive to Goldfield, which is... A little over three hours away, like three and a half hours away. Yeah. I was so tired. It was, it was way too long. Did you have it, to physically drive? Yes. You rented a car and physically drove? I rent, Yeah, I rented yeah. a car. Um, so, I mean, that was just tough because I had been up all day long. Mm-hmm. Like, I took little cat naps on the plane, but it wasn't, yeah, yeah. wasn't anything really. Yeah. Thursday, I still woke up early. Uh, took Went outside, took some early morning photographs. I don't know if you saw any of them that I posted yeah. on Social media. It was beautiful. Um, so then we went out. We went through the desert. One thing I told my mother I wanted to do was find gold. Okay. Like, there's so much gold out there. The only real companies out there are mining companies. Mm-hmm. And she works for a mining company. So I'm like, I want to go find gold. That's that's my goal. Mm-hmm. So we went out in the desert. We started searching. And 
we found this like sandstone stand a little sandstone like stuff. Yeah. And I saw sparkling things in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, mom, is this gold? Because I don't know what gold looks like mm-hmm. in the wild. It looks like gold. It, that's, and that's okay. as I'm like walking to her, she's like, there's not going to be gold in sandstone. That's not the kind of stuff it is. So I showed it to her. She's like, oh, actually, <laughs> you know, it really does look like it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, maybe if it was on the mountain and it rolled down, it got mixed up. Mm-hmm. I suppose it could be. She's like, let's take it back to my work and we'll have it checked out. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Okay, just remember where this spot is because I'm going to make a claim. Because out there, you, the land is free for anybody who wants it. You just have to make a claim and say, I want this land. It has gold on it. Really? Yes. It's it's so weird. <laughs> yes. They, there's so much like open land still out there. And if you if you say you want it, you have to sign this thing that says you're going to keep it for a hundred years, and then in a hundred years you give it back to them. It's weird. It is. Sure. Yep. Yep. I, I bought a house this year. Property is weird to me. Own, own and it's land all land is weird. It's all free out there. Just That's take it. Weird. Yep, I fully agree. It's weird. And then we went out and I found some rhyolite. It's this kind of rock, and it had this huge gold vein all through it. Like okay. big sparkly gold. I'm like, sweet. Okay, this is my spot too. I like yelled it out. <laughs> no, nobody could hear me because there's nobody for ten miles around yeah, us yeah, probably. Yeah. And she's like, "Ooh, you know, maybe let's bring it back to Colton. He'll check it out." <clears throat> so I'm like, "Okay, I'm rich. Okay, I'm already like planning. I'm quitting my job. We're moving out here, getting gold for the rest of my life." Uh, so Friday, found out it wasn't gold. <laughs> <laughs> I bring it in, and he's like, okay, let me look at it. He l- looks at it for one second. He goes, nope, this is called um, iron pyrite. It's the kind of metal that it is. He's like, uh, most people know it as fool's gold. Like, ah. Duh! Duh, it was so close, though. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. Most yep. people know it as fool's gold. <laughs> oh, that's like, great. He's like, the easy way to tell um, is Fool's Gold is more uh, square. Okay. And, you know, gold will be in more nugget form than anything else. I'm like, oh, are you sure? He's like, yes, it's my <laughs> job. You, I know what I'm doing. Are you sure? Uh, and then for lunch, we, we had the worst Mexican food I've ever had in my whole life. Really? No lie. Taco Bell has better Mexican food than this place did. So we sit, we sit down, and um, they bring over chips and salsa, and the salsa was just tomatoes. There was no spice at all in it. Ugh. And the chips weren't like fresh chips; they were clearly just out of a bag. Yeah. So most places that you know I go to, at least around here, you know they fry their tortillas up, they come out, and they're still warm. Mm-hmm. You know, and this was or definitely just. They're still warm, or occasionally they're still too stuck together, so they didn't cook right. Yes. Like, yep, these were definitely homemade. Yeah, these were definitely not homemade. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, um, before, you know, we ordered our drinks. I'm like, oh, can we get some queso too? Because I like queso with my chips. Mm-hmm. The lady's like, eh, we don't really have queso here. I'm like, excuse me? It, it, it's a Mexican restaurant. She's like, yeah, a lot of people ask for it, but we've just never, we've never had had, had any. I was like, 
okay. So I ordered... I love, um, I love the a lot of people ask for it, but yet we still won't do it. I, I, it made no sense to me. And I ordered... I don't even know how to pronounce this word. I always order it, but chili relleno, relleno, two L's in there. The Mexican okay. two L's. Okay. Isn't... <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. Isn't um, chicken pollo? Yes. With two L's? With two L's. All right. That's why I'm like so, relleno, something like that. Okay. I, I'm sorry for any Spanish speaking people I, that listen. I don't speak Spanish at all. I speak. But English anyway, it, Spanish. it's a um, it's a pepper, uh, breaded, deep fried, and cream cheese put in it. Basically, okay. It's delicious. Sounds like a jalapeno popper. It is, but it's not a jalapeno. It's a big pepper, like you know gotcha. that. And um, so it came out, and the cheese that was on the beans was already congealed. Ooh. <laughs> Okay. It, we, there were only two other people in the restaurant besides us. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was cold as if it had been made, you know, a half hour ago Ugh. and then given to us. Ugh. And it was just, everything was bad. The margarita, because you get a margarita when you go to a Mexican place. I do at least. And it was just sweet. It was sweet and tequila. There was no flavor to it except mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, oh, this is so bad, Mom. She's like, I know. She's like, I've never been here, but I've heard good things about it. From who? People in Goldfield. They don't, like, there's not many restaurants. People. <laughs> there's not many restaurants out there. There's only 200 people who live in Goldfield. So I would just expect more, though. I did go to the Clown Motel while I was out there. There's only 200 people that come through here. About 150 of them have asked for queso. So <laughs> nah, we're not. We're not doing that. No. Uh, so I went to the Clown Motel. I don't know if you've ever heard of this place. Nope. Every room has clowns everywhere, and they have a clown museum, and it is spooky. Okay. <laughs> I'm not um, creeped out by clowns. Uh, you would be at this place. You know, if they're designed to be creepy, then yeah, nope. they're supposed to be creepy. But if they're just clowns, they don't really creep me out all that much. And then at the end of the night, my mom took me to a spooky bar. It's the yeah. one she goes to all the time. But its theme is um, if you drink the water, you're dead. Because the water in the town of Goldfield is poisonous. It's okay. laced with ar- It's laced with arsenic. So everyone drinks bottled water? Yeah, you can wash yourself in the arsenic water, you can wash your dishes in the arsenic water, but you can't. You can wash your dishes in the arsenic water? Yes, and, and you'll be fine. Yep. And you can take showers in it. You can brush your teeth, just don't drink it, and you know. <laughs> Maybe this is why all the food tastes bad. I don't compute. know. Does not compute. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. So, anyway, and then the next day I went to Pahrump to visit my aunt and my grandmother. It was very nice. nice. That, it's much warmer there because Goldfield was cold. Mm-hmm. Like, it was in the mid-50s the entire time. Mm-hmm. I went to Pahrump and it was like 75 degrees. Nice. Perfect. Beautiful skies. And Sunday I flew all day. Yeah. 3 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. Ew. All day. And then my alarm went I, off. I guess, I guess that's what a uh, $200 <laughs> flight last minute is, huh? Yes. Yeah. Another. It was a four and a half hour layover in San Francisco from Vegas, and then San Francisco to Boston. Makes no sense, but whatever. My alarm went off at two thirty on Monday, so I got 
four hours of sleep, if that. <laughs> worked both worked both jobs. Did taxes because my plan on my vacation was to file my taxes. Yeah, I got three days. I'll probably end up doing mine today. <clears throat> yep. And after I drop Max off at work, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so tired. I need a nap in between the two jobs. <laughs> so I set my alarm. You know, it was 3 o'clock for 3.30. Get a half hour nap in. Woke me up, went to work at the Toy Soldier, did all that cool stuff. Done. Tuesday morning, I wake up, and it's still dark out. I'm like, oh, God, I wonder how many, you know, more hours I have to sleep. I'm like, I hope it's like 1 o'clock, and I still have like two or three more hours. I look at my phone, and it's almost 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> because I set my alarm for p.m. instead of a.m. Because I was, I had set it for 3.30 p.m., and I had just... Don't understand you people. I don't. My alarm is set for 8 a.m. every day. It's just set. And if it's a day where I don't have to wake up at 8 a.m., it's set for what time I should be getting up every day. I don't set my alarm at night when I go to bed. It's already set for me. My alarm for tomorrow is set right now. My you have a set schedule. My alarm for is set right But even if I don't have a set schedule, you can set alarms to go off at different times and just turn on that alarm. It all depends for me. How much bread do I have coming that day? Um, then I have to think about it. If I have a smaller load, I can sleep in an extra 20 minutes. If I have a bigger load, then average I have to wake up 15 minutes early. And so I have to think about what do I have coming the next day? Do I What store am I going to be delivering to? And it's not the same at my all. Wife, every every day is different. Is the same. She doesn't have a schedule like that. Her schedule is <clears throat> all different. Or No, her schedule is like me, and it's the same, but she still can't set a damn alarm. She sets it every night. I'm like, I just, just have it set all the time. It doesn't work like that for me at all. Because I could, I wake up anytime between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. And every day it's different. Yeah. Now even every Monday is different. Every Tuesday is, it's not the same. Even just day by day. I just have it set just in general. So that way I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. I, I even have like, for a while where it was, I didn't have to get up until 10 o'clock on Mondays and Tuesdays. It was set on for 10 o'clock Monday and Tuesday and then 8 a.m. on Wednesday so I could get up for the podcast. Yeah, it doesn't Thursday work like that. Again, 10 a.m. So that way I didn't have to worry. I, if, yeah. I had to, if I had to set an alarm every night before I went to bed, I would be waking up going, why didn't my alarm go off? Oh, I set my calculator. That's why my alarm didn't go no. off. Because that's no. what would end up. I would be half asleep setting my alarm in this way I don't have to worry about it. The only time this ever happens is when I set it for PM the day before, and I just don't think about it. And then there's always, you know, use the voice assistant to set it for me. I would never do that. I, again, I like to see it and do it myself. Yeah, see, I, I've got the smart home. I've got voice assistants in five different rooms, so I can just say it from anywhere and it's set. I have Siri shut off on my phone. Yeah. I don't need that. I, I have it everywhere in my house. Everywhere. <laughs> I can speak no. anywhere and it will pick up and do whatever I want it to. It can turn on the brand new gazebo lights for me. I love it. That's cool. Yeah, I, I would rather just go over there and flip the switch. I like it. I like getting into bed and saying goodnight and everything shuts off and I know everything is off in the house. Yeah, I go to bed before everybody, so that doesn't work for me. Yeah, because I've said goodnight, I know everything is shut off. Magic news of the week! Yes! 
So there was a... Uh, they talked about the April Fool's Magic Arena stuff. Yep. The Reddit post. This was, yeah, it's a Reddit post. Uh, there isn't much to talk about, really, but it was a really fun read. Uh, you should go check it out. Did you enjoy the April Fool's thing they did this year? Yes, yes I did. I, I, I really liked the battlefield and the play, the heavily played cards. The heavily played cards, give you got to give them to me as a sleeve, Arena. Arena, if you're listening to my podcast, which I know you do, because we're the biggest Magic Arena podcast that there is. And I'm the content creator of the year. And Tony made content creator of the year, and I made... <laughs> um, so... <laughs> um, the sleeves, as much as the battlefield was cool, and I did enjoy the battlefield... And this does say that they will be bringing it back, which is good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love to see it again. On a special occasion, sure. Understand. Would it? Would I like it to just be a part of the regular rotation? Yes. Just add it into the regular rotation of battlefields. You'll get it and everyone will get a kick out of it. But the card sleeves. Let me buy those as card sleeves. I'll give you the thousand gems or whatever you <laughs> want for it. I kind of want the damaged... Pretending I'm still playing, you know, a whole entire deck of Naked Singularity because that's the card I own that is that thrashed. Or, you know, my um, my Tega is that thrashed. You know, I've got some cards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that look, Tony. Yeah, my Tega, I paid $20 for. It's Tyga. Sure, whatever. I paid that's why I was looking at you like that. It. Yeah, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. Correct. For a dual <laughs> land. This yep. was this was like fifteen years ago at this point, but yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, it's a good read. Uh, I would say just go ahead and read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good read. Add some stuff, and the uh, the writing style is very good. Yeah, Ian Adams did a great job. Very good um, writing style. <clears throat> when he mentions World Guide, and then goes, "I just threw out World Guide as if it's clear that that that's what it is." used says what the world guide is and goes it's incredible and no you can't see one and then continues on with the story <laughs> <laughs> and i know what a style guide is because i listen to the mark rosewater podcast and he talks about those all the time or the world guide because he talks yeah. about those all the time in that so i i knew what it was talking about but yeah if you if you've got no idea then yeah but this was it was a very interesting read Cool how they came up with the design of it and everything. And yeah, if you like a little behind the scenes of arena stuff, go ahead and look at that. And I'll leave the uh, link in the show notes. Excellent. And then there's something here for you more than me. Uh, We get release notes for March of the Machines. Release notes for March of the Machines. All right. Now, normally release notes is just card legality. Here's some new um, card types and what they do. Um, this one, I mean, new new rules, not new card types. Normally it's new. <laughs> There's not many new card types normally. Yeah, normally there isn't new card types. This is a brand new card type and all of the stuff around what it does. Normally, normally Magic has this rule where you're reading the card explains the card. And that kind of doesn't work with these. And this doesn't no. work, it doesn't work with Planeswalkers either. Like, those are like the two exceptions for where reading the cards explains the cards. Um, first of all, we're getting a new card type as in battle and a new subtype as in siege, because that isn't confusing. So, um, (laughs) battles can be in your deck and be cast during their controller's main phase when the stack is empty. 
They enter the battlefield with the number of defense counters on them equal to the defense value displayed in the lower right-hand corner. Damage can be dealt to battles and damage can be dealt... And damage dealt to battle causes it to lose that many defense counters. It is defeated when the last defense counter is removed. Siege battles, like the one in March of the Machines, have an inherent ability that triggers when they are defeated. When the ability resolves, the Siege's controller exiles it and may cast it transformed without paying its mana cost. Notably, battles can't be the target of spells or abilities that use the... Notably, they can be the target of spells or abilities that use the words any target. For example, a, a player can target a battle with lightning bolt. So that's the big thing about battles. And then sieges are the subtype within it. And the you can attack a siege. If this says, like Planeswalkers, battles can be attacked, but there's an important difference. As a battle enters the battlefield, its controller chooses a player to be its protector. For a siege, the protector must be one of the player's opponents. Now, we don't know what other types of battles they're going to be later. There might be battles yeah. where you're the one who protects it and other people attack it. But for sieges, that's not how that works. Um, the battle protector acts as... The battle's protector acts as its defending player in combat and all other players in the game can attack the battle. Normally in arena and heads up, it's just going to be your opponent. You're not going to have mm -hmm. very many people. Um, the other big thing about these that there's like 18 bullet points. I'm not going to go through each one of the bullet points. Please don't. Because <laughs> that's just going to be a lot. Oh. But the things I want to bring up... Um, this says, a battle can be attacked by all players other than its protector. Notably, that means a siege's controller can attack it. If a battle has no defense counters, and it isn't the source of a triggered ability that has triggered but has not left the stack, the battle is put into the owner's graveyard. This is a state-based action. This does not cause the siege's intrinsic triggered ability to trigger. So, like, if you had Solemnity out, is that pretty much it? Um, correct. Where, you know, permanent, you know, counters can't be put on permanents. This says, notably, if a Siege never had any defense counters on it, which is what you're saying, perhaps the permanent became a copy of one, it can't have its last defense counter removed, it will yeah. be put into the owner's graveyard, you won't be able to exile it or cast the other face. So that's the important part, is... If it enters the battlefield and doesn't have counters due to solemnity, maybe um, what's Vorinclex does some shenanigans and it doesn't get yep. counters for whatever reason. It does not flip. If you make a, if you find a way to make a copy of the battle or turn Thesbian stage style, whatever way you find to turn something else into a battle and it has no counters, it immediately goes to the graveyard. It does Bye -bye. not work. Don't try to do that. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, and then this says, um, if a battle that's being attacked somehow stops being a battle, it is removed from combat. Similarly, if its controller changes in the middle of combat, it is removed from combat. So for whatever way you have a way to turn your battle into, let's say, a creature in the middle of combat, it's being attacked. It can't be attacked anymore because it's 
not a battle, it's a creature. Mm-hmm. Battles can't attack or block, even if one also becomes a creature. If an attacking or blocking creature somehow becomes a battle, in addition to being a creature, it's removed from combat. <laughs> Wow, okay, interesting. I'm not saying that there's a way to do that. I'm just saying they thought of it and yep. have written these. So there is a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of points about battles that really you should probably look into. It's not that um easy. I think there's one more that probably should be talked about too. What what is that? In a commander game, if the protector of a battle leaves the game, if they lose, the battle doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. You just give it a new. You give it to somebody else to protect it. Yes. Very good point. Um, yeah, I mean that's something I think will come up quite a bit. There's backup in here. Um, backup is real simple to figure out. Honestly, just read it. Real simple. The only thing is, um, we've got Death Greeters Champion here. Three and three and a red for a two-one human warrior with dash. Three into red, you may cast a spell for its dash cost. If you do, it gains haste. It's returned to the battlefield. It's returned to its hand at the beginning of the next end step. Then it has backup one, and then double strike. So backup says when this creature enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. If that other, if it's another creature, it gains the following ability until end of turn, and then says double strike. It doesn't gain dash, and I think this is mainly... Because giving another creature dash doesn't do anything. Right, exactly. And you'll see backup under other car, other, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, abilities. Abilities, thank you. Other keyword <laughs> abilities that you that the other creature doesn't get, not because they don't want to give it to them, but because giving it to them doesn't do anything. I think the other one I've seen is like cycling. Are you going to give your creature on the battlefield yeah. cycling? <laughs> It would, does nothing. Awesome. Doesn't do you anything. So that's yeah, I think that would confuse people because if it went to your hand, they might think, "Oh, I can cycle this now." Mm-hmm. No, nope, that's not how this works. Yeah, no. So that so they just easily fixed that. The other thing I wanted to point out, I wanted to ask you a question, Tony. First of all, Ooh. you're playing a game of magic against your opponent, and okay. you you play Rite of Replication. Familiar with that card? Uh, makes copies. Makes a token of a creature yeah you choose huntsmaster of the fells okay now you have a huntsmaster of the fells a couple turns have gone by no um spells have been cast and it's time to transform your huntsmaster of the fells what happens uh normally it doesn't transform because it's you know tokens don't have backs because there you go thank you that's what i'm getting at tokens don't have backs so you can't transform them right that rule has changed now with the release of March of the Machines. What? Um, we've got those new incubate tokens. Right, right, right. And the incubate means um, to create an incubator token that enters the battlefield with a number of plus one, plus one counters on it. An incubator token is transforming double face token. Its front face is a colorless incubator artifact with pay two to transform it. Its back face is a 0-0 Phyrexian artifact creature and will have the plus one, plus one counters from the front because that's how these things work. Um, So to do that, they kind of changed how all tokens work. They made it so that any token can transform now. Tokens officially have a backside and you can flip your Huntsmaster now. 
if you make a copy of Huntsmaster of the Fells, it can flip into Ravager of the Fells and then back into Huntsmaster of the Fells. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just one hunt. One hunt master. Huntmaster of the Fell? Mm-hmm. Of the Fells, yes. Not Huntsmaster, Huntmaster. Oh, but it's okay, you know, no big deal. Fine. But every time you say it, it's like, Ugh. I was waiting for you to say Ravagers of the Fells. <laughs> <laughs> you but anyway, either way. Yeah, no, I'm done. I was awesome. just just awesome. a little nitpicking, sorry. Awesome, I'm done with rules. We're good. There's no other rules here. Cool. No, no, so no, now no, we can no. get to my favorite part, right? My favorite part? Sure, Tony. Sure. New cards! Go over your 8,000 cards. I don't have 8,000. I'll, I'll cut it back a little bit, okay? Yeah, you better. I won't talk about Ella Schnorn because she's just a great card. We don't need to talk about just great cards, even though it's fantastic, okay? My first one up. <clears throat> Invasion of Gobakan. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that word right. Okay, this is one of the battles. It's a two-mana Thoughtseize. Don't you, first of all, I want to point out what you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Every time you look at these, you got to turn your head to the side. It's going to be and so I, obvious when your opponent draws a battle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So it says when it enters the battlefield, uh, look at target opponent's hand. You may exile a non-land card from it. For as long as that card remains exiled, it's going to make play it. Uh, it just costs okay. two more. So it's not it takes a two-mana Thoughtseize. It's a two-mana... Um, elite spellbinder ability. Sure, sure, but it also has one of the lowest uh, battle life that there is—the siege life. Three. It only has three. Three is as low as it goes so far. And the backside of its light shield array—it's an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature that attacked this turn. And then you can also sacrifice it to give your creature's hexproof and indestructible. Yeah, I think this card's fantastic. It it does everything you want it. We'll want that. I yeah, read. absolutely. I think this card's going to be played quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You got a card? Or do you first, want me to just keep going? First card on my list is one card that I don't think will get played at all. I don't think it will see any, any play anywhere whatsoever. It's two colorless and a white for a 1-3 creature with double strike. That's all it is. But it is called Kithkin Billy Rider. It's a Kithkin knight. <laughs> and it's an adorable Kithkin chick riding a goat. And That's she, beautiful. <clears throat> yep. Billy Rider. She's a Kithkin riding a goat. This cat, this set has Kithkins riding goats. I'm here for it. We're good. We're done. That's all we need. I'm good. I'm happy. <laughs> I like it. I do too. I'm I've got Rona, good. Herald of the Invasion. Okay. One and a blue. Just two mana for Rona. Legendary Human Wizard is a 1-3. Whenever you cast a legendary spell, untap it. Amazing. Right there. Tap, draw a card, then discard a card. So if, if you're playing legendary spells, you get to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And then five and a Phyrexian black mana to transform it. Activate only as a sorcery. Oh God, these cards are so wordy, Tony. There's so many words. But we have a new obliterator. Rona, the Tolarian obliterator. Okay. It, a 5-5 five, five trample, just like most obliterators. Whenever a source deals damage to Rona... That source's controller exiles a card from their hand at random. If it's a land card, you can put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. It's a blue obliterator, basically. No, That's it's cool. No. no. Blue-black. I completely disagree with everything you say. First of all, I never read the backside of this card. I only okay. ever read the front. I never read the backside. Um, also, obliterators 
state, when damage are dealt to them, they de- that much is what's done. True. This one says whenever a source deals damage to it, that sorcerer's controller exiles a card. Not that many cards. This is yeah, not as good. I guess. This is a crap obliterator. Bye-bye. I'm done with it. Wow. I, I think you're wrong on that never one. Never mind. I don't even... Honest... And this is an honest thing. I don't know how to assess these cards that drop for two and then have a transform for five and a Phyrexian black mana. Is that going to happen? Are you dropping this for two and then later paying five and two two life? Let's face it, you're never really paying black mana. Correct. Yeah, Five and two life as a sorcery to flip this to the other side. Is that... I, just I, I believe this is gonna I don't think I don't think most of them are going to happen. Um, I think like the Praetors are all going to happen. You're going to do that with the Praetors mm-hmm. <coughs> because their backside is amazing, and I think this one is worth it to do it. Yeah. I don't think most of the other ones are not are not worth it. This one I think is. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I just I don't know how I don't know how playable some of these things are, how viable they are with. Yep. With I agree. I, I don't. I agree. Most of them are not playable. I didn't even, I didn't even grab the backside of this card. Uh oh. Um. So my next card, the first real card I want to talk about, is called Ozolith the Shattered Spire. Nice. Good. That takes one off my list. <laughs> Figured. <it out. laughs> I think all of my cards are going to take cards off of your list. Um. Excellent. One and a green for a legendary artifact. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on an artifact or creature you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on instead. Um, so this is literally uh, hardened scales? Yes. Right? Yes, it is. Hardened scales with more. Yep. Tap one and a green, tap it, put a plus one plus one counter on target artifact or creature you control, activate only as a sorcery, and also has cycling of two. In case mm-hmm. you draw this way too late and you're like, great, this does not help me. Because that's when you want to cycle it, not early. Early early is when you want the card in play. Uh, this is great, and this is one of two different things that have the ability of hardened skills in this set. Yeah, there's a few that have it. So we have so many different ways to be running hardened scales and hardened scales that our scales are going to be very hard. Yes. Very hard scales. Very, very hard scales. Okay, my next one is uh, Flavor Text Win right here. Okay. Etched Familiar. It's a two and a black for an artifact creature Phyrexian Fox. It's a three two. <coughs> it's just a common. Uh, when Etched Familiar dies, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Meh, okay. Great thing to sack. Yep, the the uh, Flavor Text says no refunds. Chammy, Curio Vendor. <laughs> if you look in the art... This is the exact same art as Filigree Familiar from Kaladesh. Kaladesh, you know, or Filigree Familiar is a three mana, two, two. When it enters the battlefield, you gain two life. When it dies, draw a card. And this picture does not have, oh my God, hold on. Oh, this is terrible. The one image I took doesn't have the the, uh, uh, thing in it. The flavor text originally. Uh, Search. Set mom, no. I want... I can't believe I did that. I didn't even look at it. Disappointed. I know. So the original one says in the flavor text, it's the must-have gift for everyone on your list. Get one for yourself too. Chemi, Curio Vendor. 
And then, and then this one says, no refunds, Chammy Curio Fender. I just love that, you know? It uses pretty much the same art. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it great. changed from this beautiful gain-to-life draw card creature to this evil creature. It's fantastic. Love it. Love yep. it. All right. I think it's finally time that Mono Red, that Red, and Urabrask is the best Praetor. Praetor. It's finally time. Urabrask. And I love that these Praetors just have the name. They don't have a title. This is just Urabrask. Yep. Two red red legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor. First strike, 4-4. First strike, when you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it deals one damage to target opponent. Add red mana to your mana pool. Oh, I love that right there. Add red mana. Beautiful. Mm. Pay your red. Pay your red. Exile it. I'm sure you have a red available. Exile it, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. Activate it only as a sorcery, and only if you've cast three or more instants and or sorcery spells this turn. Okay, so like an Arclight Phoenix-style deck? Arclight Phoenix-style deck, something that you're casting a bunch of small little things. When you flip it, it turns into the Great Work. Yeah, Enchantment Saga. The Great Work deals three damage to target opponent and each creature they control. You. I I love that Wrath right there. Beautiful. Second Saga, create three treasure tokens. Okay, awesome. Third, until end of turn, you may cast instants and sorcery spells from any graveyard. If a spell cast this way would be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. Exile the great work, then return it to the battlefield, front face up. So you're going to be able to exile this, return it to the battlefield, start casting spells out of your graveyard, and every time you cast an instant of sorcery spell, it's going to deal one damage, and you're going to be gaining more mana to continue with this. I want this to happen at some point. Do I think it will? I have no idea. I don't know how to assess how good these Praetors are going to be. You're going to play this and your opponent's going to kill it and you're going to be like, well, that was a waste of four mana. But that happens anyway. Anytime you play and a creature. you're never going to see the... Are, that's the question, though. Are you ever going to see the backside of these cards? You have to... This one especially, you have to build the deck for this card in particular. But I don't know. Like, if you can flip it, and then you can wait three turns, <laughs> mm-hmm. then it's going to be good. But most red decks, don't you want to win before turn seven or eight? Correct. Correct. So that, the, to me, it doesn't seem great. This one actually didn't even make my list. No. I have multiple uh, Praetors on here. This one I was not that good. I think the best out of all of them, though. Oh, I don't, I don't at all. No. All right. I think the two that we've had, Shieldred and um, Elish Norn, are the two best. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just me, you know. You're a red player. I am a red player. That's true. I'm very much a red player. (laughs) The next one I have is Render Inert. Okay. Two and a black for a sorcery. Remove up to five counters from target permanent and then draw a card. Nice. I think this is going to flip so many battles. Probably. (laughs) The fact that you get to just draw a card Mm -hmm. also, I think this card's going to be good. Especially if you build your deck to have battles in it. This might be a good way to, in Limited, um, to really flip those battles quickly. Mm-hmm. And it'll kill Planeswalkers, too. If you have to. 
That's all. That's all I want to say about that. That was good. Okay. Um, my next card is Realmbreaker the Invasion Tree. Three mana, legendary artifact. All right, three generic legendary artifact. This can go in any deck. Two, tap it. Target opponent mills three cards. Put a land card from their graveyard onto the battlefield tapped under your control. It gains if this land would leave the battlefield. Exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. Ramp. Consistent ramp, too. You just steal your lands out of your opponent's graveyard. It doesn't even matter if it was one of those three cards that was milled. Yeah, that's cool. Any of the lands in your graveyard. And then if it would if it would be put anywhere else, it gets exiled. Awesome. You can't get this land back. Haha. <laughs> tap ten, tap it, sacrifice Realm Breaker, the invasion tree. Search your library for any number of praetors and put them onto the battlefield. Then shelf. <laughs> wow. Cool. <laughs> this is very this is more like maybe the maybe the first ability. You're actually playing that second ability. You've got to build a, like a commander deck around it or something. That's not. No, I mean the world tree uh, hit, is ten and tap it to put all gods into play. Yeah, and so this is kind of the same thing. But the world tree is never used in that ability. The world tree is almost always used to just fix your mana. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but you know, this I have I have used it before in in brawl and commander, but. Correct. In Brawl and Commander, you're going to use the second half. In in Standard, are you really going, here's my two Shieldreds and my my Elish Norn? Congrats. That's because I'm building a black and white deck, so that's what I've got. I, I just don't see this actually. I don't see someone spending 10 mana to pull out two or three cards. You're pulling out a bunch with that. And in Standard, you're not putting a bunch of them in one deck. Yep, no, I agree. My next one is Aki Scrap Chomper. I guarantee you don't have this on your list. Nope. It's a single red mana for a 1-1. One, one. I want you to bring this card up, though. I am it's one in a red, tap it, sacrifice an artifact or land and draw a card. I just want to talk about the art, though. This this <laughs> goblin is, first of all, eating a, eating a grenade and has this mask wait, in wait, its hand. What is he eating? It's like a grenade, isn't it? You need to look much closer at that artwork than my friend. What, is it some, a specific grenade or something? Is that Sensei's Divining Top it's eating? No. No, no, no. I don't think so. Are you sure? Because that looks like Sensei's Divining Top to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, let me look to see, but I don't think so. I, th- I To me, it looks like a grenade. Which I took as, like, um, like Goblin Grenade. I hear ya. Okay, I see that. Look at Sensei's Divining Top, though. It's similar. You've got the gold bands. The top looks like a spinny part. The bottom looks like... It looks to me like he's eating Sensei's Divining Top. Yeah, I mean, I I can see it. I can definitely see it. What else about the artwork did you want to point out? Oh, that mask. The mask? If that is a mask. I don't even know what that thing is, but it's creepy. And then with the huge with phallic huge, nose, yeah, with huge, very phallic nose, and what's behind him? Up on the thing. Oh, uh, is that the ogre helm thing? It's a hell. It's the ogre helm thing from Kamigawa. So I yeah. think 
and Sensei's Divining Top was original. It's from Kamigawa. Kamigawa. So yeah, I okay. think he's eating oh. Sensei's Divining Top and has that. And I is that a ma- is that a specific mask that I just don't know? I picked up on the other two references. Oh, maybe that's like Uba's mask. Is that? I don't know. Oh, let's look that up now. Uba mask. Yep, that's Uba mask. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's that's exactly what that is. So that's and then Uba I assume mask. that's. I assume that's quite a spike down there on the ground. Probably. Yep. Yeah, so this art has a whole bunch of references to magic things. Wow, that's pretty cool. And that's not even what you wanted to point out. You just thought it was goofy and phallic. The mask was creepy. (laughs) But then you point that out. And then there's all these other... I thought you were... I I noticed the phallic mask. I didn't know... I've never seen Uba mask, so I didn't know that card even existed. Sensei's Divining Top will always stick out to me, though. That's a pretty cool artwork, then. Always stick out. Yeah, that's a great artwork. Good on you, Tony. That was a good one. Thank you. There, Tony. (laughs) It's not as good as my next one. Ooh, okay. Three green mana. Tribute to the world tree. Oh, okay. Enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card if its power is three or greater. Otherwise, put two plus one plus one counters on. This card is amazing. This card is absolutely amazing. I wish they worded it the other way. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put two plus one plus one counters on it, unless its power is three or greater, then draw a card. I just hate when they go when they tell you what to do if it's like if it isn't something. You know what I mean? It it just reads backwards to me. That's all. I might be okay. wrong. This just reads backwards to me. But either way it reads, it's still very good. Is your I wanted to put than, this one on my list. Is your creature less than three? Now it's three. Is it already three? Draw a card, buddy. Did you add mm-hmm. another card on your list for three green mana and you thought I was going to talk about that one? Yeah, I got all excited nah, for a second. It's too bad. What's your <laughs> next card? This city's on fire. <laughs> This city's on fire. Okay, anyway. Uh, Five, red, red, red. Eight mana, but it has Convoke for an enchantment. So it's not always going to cost eight mana. If a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage instead. So good. So good. It's so bad, but it's so good. Like, this is definitely a commander card more than anything else. Mm -hmm. But, oh, my triple damage... That's going to be so fun. That's disgusting. That's all. It's just going to be a fun card. Mm -hmm. All right. My next card. Three green mana. Green, green, green for a 4-5 legendary creature hide. Yes! (laughs) The the death of Kazandu Mammoth. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to point out, Tony, the backside of Kazandu Mammoth is a land and people are still going to be running it. But I oh, agree God, with I you. hope not. I agree with you. This card is so much better. Plakranos Reborn. Legendary Pelucranos. Hydra. What? Pelucranos. Pelucranos. Reborn. Three green mana for a 4-5. Legendary Creature Hydra. Reach. 4-5. Three green mana. Reach. I don't need to keep reading this card. I like it. No, I love it too. Absolutely. 4-5 for three green mana and has reach. Look at those pesky little... Uh, Phoenixes can't get past it. Those stupid spirits. Awesome. Lock them all day long. Absolutely. Awesome. Six and a white Phyrexian. 
Transform Plokrudos Reborn. Activate only as a sorcery. Okay. Six in a white. Uh, six mana. Let's, six mana and two life. Let's face it. Yep. You're never paying white. This is going in your mono green deck. You're never paying the white for it. Backside. Reach lifelink. Love it. Six, six. Reach lifelink. Even better. Let's go. Uh-huh. When Plukranos, Engine of Ruin, or another non-token Hydra you control dies, create a 3-3 green and white Hydra creature token with reach and a 3-3 green and white Hydra creature token with lifelink. This is <laughs> like like the good version of, um, what's that uh, artifact Hydra that I can't think worm of? Worm Coil Engine. Worm Coil Engine. This is like the good, ver- Worm Coil Engine is the evil version. This is like the good version with reach and lifelink. Uh-huh. And gives each other non-token Hydra. Do we've got a bit, Do we have to put more Hydras into Mono Green? There, there is a slight Hydra sub theme in this set for Green. Yeah. So, oh. Yep. Oh, this is yeah, the- going through all the cards. There was a bit, like Hydras cost four less or something ridiculous Ooh. like that. Ooh. Yeah, I love <laughs> when they reduce the cost of Hydras because most Hydras have X in their cost. And Uh that reduces the cost of X, so you can just add that 4 to X. Exactly. Yeah, me too. This is a good card. Love this card. The second second both of us saw this card, we fell in love with it. Absolutely. My next one is Invasion of Karsus. It's 4 red mana, 2 red red, for a 4 defense counter siege. Uh, When Invasion of Karsus enters the battlefield, it deals 3 damage to each creature in each planeswalker. So this normally costs three mana but to have this kind of ability. But it doesn't have a backside, and it's the backside of these battles. It's the, are you ever going to spend any amount of time putting four damage towards this battle? Is it worth it? Right, but I I think this is almost worth its cost. Is it it's, worth sure it? Sure, it's an... I think Let me so. work it. Throw the thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Oh, if we're going to flip it, oh, then we get the Refraction Elemental, <laughs> which is a 4-4 with Ward Pay 2 Life. Whenever you cast a spell, Refraction Elemental deals 2 damage to each opponent. Okay, so if I'm putting 4 damage towards this, I better have 2 spells in my hand to be able to get that 4 damage back at my opponent that I've wasted on this. So the way I would like to think of it, granted maybe Magical Christmas Land, but you have a 4-toughness creature, like you have a 4-4. Four, four. Sounds odd. Magical Christmas land, Tony. You, you have, have a 4-4 four, four four already. Creature. You already have a 4-4 four, four creature, and your opponent has a bunch of creatures less than 3 toughness, and you yes. board wipe them, and you attack in, and now you have two, and now you have two 4-4s, four because you've board wiped, and you've got Beautiful, yourself a 3-4-4 right? four, four just by not attacking this turn. Sure. Magical Christmas land, my friend. I love it. <laughs> I think it's good. The problem, my honest-to-God problem with battles is I don't know how good the backside is. Right. I like to look at the front only. Correct. And then if the back is good. That is exactly how I look at battles, is you have to only look at the front of them. You can't spend any time looking at the back of the battle. You can't. If the front isn't good enough, the back isn't good enough. The back is never going to be worth it if the front's good. Giving your opponent four life is can be a lot mm-hmm. even even spending the mental energy going should i attack my battle 
or should I attack my opponent? Sometimes isn't worth it. I think a lot of people are going to be just attacking the battles to try to flip them, especially early on in the season. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be worth it for them. Yep. Make mythic early pe- people. All right. Mm-hmm. My next card is a card I know is on Tony's list, so they'll be happy to see it. It's Elish Norn. It's not. I told you I took it off. Uh, all right. Well, good. I'm, well, I'm talking about it then. Two white, white, legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor, 3-5, Vigilance. Whenever a source an opponent controls deals damage to you or opponent or a permanent you control, that source's controller loses two life unless they pay one. That's gross. Mm-hmm. That is gross. You're attacking me? Great. You're losing life too, buddy. Unless you're paying for each source. That's gross. All right. Two into white. Sacrifice three other creatures. That's a lot. It's a lot. Exile Lilish Norn, then return it to the battlefield, transformed under its owner's control. Activate only as a sorcery. Uh, the backside, the Argent Etchings. First, it's an enchantment saga. First chapter, incubate two five times. Then, trans- <laughs> then transform all incubator tokens you control. So it's Unreal essentially right make five two two creatures. Mm-hmm. Then creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain double strike until end of turn. So now you have five three threes double strikers. No, because your board has been wiped and you get nothing. <laughs> well, I guess if they board wipe, sure. Yep. And then three destroy all other permanents except for artifacts, lands, and Phyrexians. Exile the Ar- the Argent etchings, then return it to the battlefield. Front face up, so you get Elish. Correct. Yep. And then you know lather, rinse, repeat again. How often is the backside of this going to go off? I don't know. But if you manage to get the backside of this to go off, I think you're probably in a pretty good position to win the game after that. Yeah, I think this one's a little easier to flip than all the other ones. Just because, you know, there's so many token generators in white to get Mm. three 1-1 creatures to just sack and flip it. I don't know. I think think flipping Urabrask seems easier. Casting three spells is hard to do. Not when it's giving you the mana to do it. It's having three cards in your hand that you can cast. I hear you. I get that. But that's him, that's the thing. Like giving on you turn, the mana is what, what I think is really going to help with Arabrask. Like on turn five, you're going to be casting a bunch of one mana and two mana spells. It just seems I, again, difficult to have those still in your hand. I hear I you. Know, I get it. I understand. I understand. These are all build around cards, let's be honest. Yeah, I fully agree. All right. What's your next one? <clears throat> Invasion of Chandelar. Chandelar. Three green green for a four defense counter siege. Uh, when ba- Invasion of Chandelar enters the battlefield, return up to three target permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. Nice. So nice. it's five mana, draw three. Eight cards of your choice from your graveyard. Okay, it's not really draw three, but okay. I understand what you mean. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to that. Yeah. And five mana for that is about the going rate. Yep, you look yep. at, you know, the the green spell that is five, draw three, harmonize? Oh, harmonize is four. Mm-hmm. So I guess it costs one more. But the enchantment says on the back, mm-hmm. at the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. Yep. And how many uh, defense counters on this one? Just four. Not bad. No, not bad. So I, I don't know. I just think like you could probably ramp up a little bit with it, and they get your ramp cards back. Mm-hmm. 
I, I see this card as being a playable card. Yeah, probably. Um, my next one is one I think will 100% be seen play. Ren and Realmbreaker. One green green, four loyalty counter, legendary planeswalker Ren. Lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color. So that's mana fixing. Mm-hmm. Um, plus one, up to one target land you control becomes a 3-3 elemental creature with vigilance, hexproof, and haste until your next turn. It's still a land. Um, I want to point out, this isn't Nissa. This isn't no. Nissa's ability. Nissa's ability gives you one with vigilance and three plus one plus one counters permanently. This one only gives it until until your next turn. It will be a 3-3 creature and it does not untap the land itself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and did they spell vigilance wrong in this? No, you you just said vigilance. Did I say vigilant villages? <laughs> Clearly, I I read faster than my uh, I talk. Clearly. Yeah, no, I know you do. That's why I, I was not going to say it on here. I just kind of put it in there just for. Uh... I had no idea what you meant. Um, minus two, mill three cards. You may put a permanent card uh-huh. from among the milled cards into your hand. So kind of like how uh, it pulled the lands out of the graveyard. The other Ren has a mm-hmm. very similar ability. And the minus seven, you get an emblem with, you may play lands and cast permanent spells from your graveyard. Awesome. Beautiful. Yep, absolutely. Beautiful. I love every... This is going to be everywhere in Commander, in Brawl. Mm-hmm. Every part of this card I love. I love this entire thing, and yeah, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I got Botanical Brawler up next. Okay. This is a green and a white for another Hardened Scales type effect, sort of. Mm-hmm. It's a um, trample, zero, zero, trample. You know, you gotta love those zero, zero, tramplers. Zero, zero, tramplers. Uh, it enters the battlefield with two plus one, plus one counters on it. Whenever one or more plus one, plus one counters are put on another permanent you control, if it's the first time plus one, plus one counters have been put on that permanent this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Botanical Brawler. Yeah, it's getting big. It's getting big, and with the um, Hardened Scales card earlier, the Ozolith. I think this is just going to start, you know, spiraling out of control. This is going to be fun. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plus one, plus one counter deck is one I want to play. And it's uncommon. This is like the signpost uncommon for the draft, huh? Yes, it is. Ah, see, I'm picking up on some stuff that I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, but you're right, though. Um, So I've got three more cards, and my last three cards were all invasions because they were all sideways, and I looked at them all together. Okay. Um, the first one, we're talking for flavor. Invasion of Segovia. Two colorless <laughs> yep. and a blue. Battle Siege. When it enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one blue Kraken creature tokens with Trample. These are 1-1 one, one Krakens with Trample. Because our, <laughs> see, you just we're talking about a 0-0 zero, zero with Trample. These are 1-1s one, with Trample. And then the backside, this has four defense counters. If you manage to flip this, non-creature spells you have have Convoke. So you can tap your creatures to pay for it. And then at the beginning of your end step, untap up to four target creatures. This is going to help pay for that stuff. Um, Segovia. Have you, have we been to Segovia as a land before? Have we visited this plane before, Tony? Only in the Modern Horizons. Only in Modern Horizons. And it, we saw the Segovian Leviathan in what, Homelands? In Homelands, yeah. Segovian <laughs> Leviathan was what? It was like a 3-3 uh, Leviathan. It was a 3-3. Yeah. It's like the backside of this. It was, it was three, the biggest creature on Segovia. 
biggest the biggest creature on Segovia is a three three Leviathan. No wonder yep. these one one blue kraken creatures have trample in their one ones. This is a mini world. This world is micro. If you look at the artwork on it, you see these um krakens, these like it looks like eels or snakes going after a leg. Because that's how small <laughs> these things are in comparison to the Phyrexians. And the backside, the um, sea tyrant of Segovia, is just tripping him because he's got his thing wrapped around the leg. They're not very big. They're tiny. And, yeah, it's it's pulling from a joke from years ago that the Segovian Leviathan was a 3-3, even though it was a Leviathan, and that's not very big. No, yeah, Leviathan used to be the biggest creature in the game at 10-10. Yep. Yeah, but the Segovian one was a 3-3. And they, I just love that flavor. It's like the um, filigree familiar. That's all this is to me. It's just like that. Well, do mm-hmm. I think paying three mana for two 1-1 creatures with trample and blue is good? No. It, it you know, It's okay, because especially if you can flip it, then it's okay. If you, because then if you, can... you can flip it, but you've got two 1-1 blue creatures. Right. They're not flipping this. They aren't flipping this, and in blue, are you doing very creature-based stuff? Not normally. No, not usually. Not okay. usually. That being said, battles do have um, do have defense counters on them. Mm-hmm. So when you start proliferating, you start putting counters on your opponent's battles. You don't want to do that. No. You want. Oh, do you want to put counters on your? Your, no, you can. You don't want to put counters on your battles because oh, you want oh, okay. your battles to go away quicker. Yes, yes, yes. You want to put counters on your opponent's battles that you will be defending. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yep. That makes sense. It, it's weird to word it that way, but that's how it works. <laughs> yep. 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 And there was a bunch I, of proliferate in the last set. That's all I'm saying on that. Yeah, I think proliferate is going to be a strong mechanic. Mm-hmm. I got Galta and Maverin next. Yeah, that's so good. It's two green, two white, and three mana. Uh, for a legendary creature, Dinosaur Vampire. I mean, oh, so right there. And it's a 12-12 trample, because that's what Galta is. That's disgusting. And, like, Maverin is just kind of hanging out on the guy's nose. It's cool. He, I'm here, guys. <laughs> I mean, like, he's not doing much. He... He's doing what he needs to, and he's making that dinosaur also have the creature-type vampire so that Soren can put this out on turn three and just love life. It's going to be so nice. Uh, but it also says, whenever you attack, choose one. You get one of these two options. Create a tapped and attacking XX green dinosaur creature token with trample, where X is the greatest power among other attacking creatures. So if you don't have any other attacking creatures, what are you going to do? Nothing, unfortunately. Okay. Right? And then the other one says create X11 uh, white vampire tokens with lifelink where X is the number of other attacking creatures. So if you don't have any other attacking creatures, you're not really doing much. But if you've got one, you can either have two of them <coughs> or you can start going wide. I like that it goes either tall or wide. Your choice. Pick your choice. I also like that it's a 12-12 trampler attacking. Yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> That's what I like about it. But the other For stuff is just... For seven mana. For seven mana. It's disgusting. Sure. Alright, my next invasion is Invasion of Fiora. Four black black. When Invasion of Fiora enters the battlefield, choose one or both. 
destroy all legendary creatures or destroy all non-legendary creatures. And or. It'll destroy all creatures, mm-hmm. it will destroy all legends, or it will destroy all non-legends. I love it. I think for four black black, that's a good rate for what it does. Yep, absolutely, yes. Um, the backside, if you manage to get the four counters off of it, it turns into Marchesa Re- Re- Resolute Monarch. Um, Menace Death Touch, it's a 3-6. Whenever Marchesa attacks, remove all counters from up to one target permanent. Mm-hmm. All those counters from a from a, a, uh, in a battle, a, a battle, a planeswalker. Yep, a planeswalker and destroy it. You at the beginning mm-hmm. of your upkeep, if you haven't dealt combat damage since your last turn, you draw a card and lose a life. Love it. This card is. Gorgeous. I do. The backside yep. is still very good too. Yeah, but just a Wrath for six mana in black is good. A Wrath for six mana in black, and it's a controllable Wrath. If you are going, if you just happen to have a Legend in play and you have the only Legend, destroy all non-Legends. You still get to keep mm-hmm. your creature, use it to attack this invasion. You know what I mean? I can definitely see this being played in the Esper Legends deck that's yep. already out right 100%. now. 100%, yep. Mm-hmm. My and next one is Ink. It's also Sorry. a good card against the Esper Legends deck. Yes, it is. <laughs> Very true. Um, my next one's Inga and Asika. Two green blue for, for a legendary creature human god. It's a 4-4. Creatures you control have vigilance and tap it to add one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast creatures. Whenever you, whenever you cast a creature spell, if three or more mana from creatures was spent to cast it, draw a card. Cool. Yeah. But I don't really care about that. The art is absolutely perfect on this card. Okay. It's got the two kitties... Driving the chariot. That's mm-hmm. Asika's chariot right there. It's got this huge, like, rainbow road vibe to it going on. <clears throat> and uh, Inga is just, like, kind of hanging out, having a great time. Mm-hmm. I, I just love this card. I think it's great. And that's uh, Inga's uh, crow right there. That's the rune eyes. Yeah. Or maybe rune eyes is the one driving the chariot. I don't know. Because is- she, looks, she looks blind, so... It is very much nice artwork. I do like it. Yeah. I just love those kitties on the front. <laughs> and Asika's Chariot is run by cats, so. Even though this has nothing, this card has nothing to do with Asika's Chariot. Except for it has Asika. It's, it's a 4-4. Four, four. Sure. I guess. Asika's right. Chariot's a 4-4. Four, four. Sure. Sure. The, yep. they're, they're both bigger because they're in the Chariot. Whatevs. Whatevs. Fun card. I agree. Yeah, fun card. Alright, this is my last card, Tony. And then you get okay. one more card after this, then we're done. Uh, two more cards. Unless this is one. Okay. I, want, I want to talk about two more cards. Right. I can skip over this other one. That's fun. Alright, my, my last card is Invasion of Alara. Okay, cool. White, blue, black, red, green. Wooberg. Battle Siege. Seven defense counters. Seven. That's a mm-hmm. third of your opponent's life you've got to put towards this if you want this backside. When Evasion of Alara enters the battlefield, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile two non-land cards with mana value four or less. You may cast one of those two cards without paying its mana cost. Put one of them into your hand. Then put the other cards exiled this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. Does this make sense to you? Yes. This makes sense to you what this does? 
Because it's bring to light, basically. It's almost the exact card as bring to light. Almost the same card as bring to light. Yes. Search no. Search your library for a creature card or instant card with converter mana cost equal to the number of color of colors of mana sp- cast to spend bring to light. Exile that card, then shuffle your library. You may pass that card without paying its mana cost. Yeah, it's very similar to this. This searches your library for a creature card. This exiles cards until you exile two non-land cards with mana value four or less. These are not the same thing. No, I know. Bring to light's better. But this is still very similar. It lets you... What do you mean, how? This says search your library for a creature card, an instant or sorcery with converted mana cost less than less than or equal to the number of colors. Right, so if you cast it for cast five, it it's usually what it is. It's usually five. Okay. You do five, five colors. Search your library for a card. This says exile cards from the top of your library until you exile two non-land cards with mana value four or less. They are not searching your library and exiling cards until you hit four or less or two different things. This allows you to pay the card without paying its mana cost. This says you may cast one of those. This says play the card. This says cast two completely different things, one of them without paying the other one. This allows you to get two cards, put one of them into your hand, while the other one gets cast. These are not the same card at all. No, they're similar, is all I've said. I don't even know if they're similar, Tony. I read this card and did not even think of Bring to Light. Do you know what this card is doing? It's cascading. Sort of. What do you mean? When you're drawing a... You're drawing a card. You're cascading and you get... It's cascading you into two different cards. And you get a choice of those two cards to play. The other yeah. one goes into your hand. <clears throat> the rest of the cards go to the bottom. Um, they worded this card really awkwardly. This says... It, it's just... The way it's worded is very awkward. But essentially you're cascading into two cards... And then casting one, putting the other one into your hand, and it says you may cast one of those one of those two cards without paying its mana cost. So you don't even have to cast one one of them, but one the other one will always go to your hand. Yep, yep, yep. So you don't have to cast this. Bring delight says also says you may cast it, but I don't know why you're searching with bring delight if you're not. Bring delight just never came up with me with looking at this card. It was more of cascade than bring to light whatsoever. Anyway, backside of this says, Awaken the Malstorm is all colors. Do you know why it says that? Because it doesn't have a mana cost at the top? Neither does uh, Invasion of New Phyrexia, but Invasion of New Phyrexia, the backside of Teferi, has the little color identity saying white and blue. It doesn't say it is white and blue. It's probably going to be pretty hard to put all those symbols in that little Yeah, I think that's the exact reason. The color identity for all colors just would not work. Right, exactly. It would would look kind of silly. It would look silly. So you will never see a color identity, a color identity thing for all colors. And is that a design flaw? Of that particular thing, that when you do get all color things, you have to spend a line of text to say it's all colors. Um, 
I think it is slightly, but then also if in the future they decide to make a fifth, a sixth color, if they ever decided to do that, this would still be part of that color, and it wouldn't say this is every color except, you know, yeah, they're purple. Not making, they're not making another color. Anyway, anyway, this card is a sorcery on the backside. It says target player draws two cards. You may put an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield. Create a token that's a copy of a permanent you control. Distribute three plus one plus one counters among any number one, two, or three creatures. And destroy target permanent or no opponent controls. You know, I think this mm-hmm. might be worth spending seven attack damage to get rid of. To flip this bad boy. Seven is so much. But you're going to draw two cards, you're going to get an artifact, you're going to copy of probably that artifact, if not your best creature in play, which is going to be three power better, or one, two, or three, and you're going to completely destroy a permanent opponent controls. That's I, I realize seven is a lot of damage, but yeah. it needs to do a lot of the backside, and the Wake of the Mouthstorm does. Yeah, I definitely just would prefer to deal seven to my opponent. Most of the time. I think there are times where you're not going to want to deal the seven, or you're going to do something with this and, and you know, do the whole Marchesa, let's remove all the counters from Invasion of Alara sure. to get it to flip. I don't think you're very much going to be deal- attacking Invasion of Alara for seven damage very much. Okay, yeah, if you can just remove the counters, I, I, that's fine. But the, this is the most powerful Invasion, in my opinion. Hmm. I don't know if it's the best, but it's certainly the most powerful. It's funny. I think there's another one, but I'm not going to talk about it. I think there's another more powerful one. I, I'm i not going to read it. It's the Invasion of Tolvada, I think, is the most powerful one. Of which one? Tolvada. It, it returns a creature from the graveyard to the battlefield. Any creature. Mm-hmm. And five mana for that is great. And then it also gives yours on the back, your creature tokens, plus one, plus oh, lifelink, and bitter blossoms every turn. Yeah, it's not bad. No, I think that one's fantastic, but I'm not going to talk about that card. <laughs> <laughs> what card do you want to talk about? I've only got one more card now. <laughs> because I didn't talk about that one. Good. Um, I'm going to talk about the biggest creature in Magic the... <laughs> is in this set. Okay. Uh, Yargle and Multani. Yep. Three black, black, green for a legendary creature, frog, spirit, elemental... 18-6. It is now that's the it. largest creature that's in Magic. It. It's an 18-6. That's all. That's all it that's is. That's it. Vanilla, totally. But 18 power. Most powerful creature in all of Magic. Un- uncards with the exception, of course. Mm-hmm. And the flavor text for Yargle is fantastic. Love it. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's the, before it, the, my daughter told me about you. At first I thought you were crazy, but she has shown me the error of her ways, and I think we can work together to do so. Ribbit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta remember the ribbit at the end. Ribbit. He's a frog. Whatever you say, Yarkle. Whatever you say, buddy. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, before we finish, I do want to say that I will be streaming, hopefully, if I can figure it out, um, the early access content creator stuff on Thursday. Nice. And then maybe a little bit on Friday. Um, should be fun. Hope you all watch me. I'm going to be on my Twitch, which I <laughs> never do anything on. Uh, but it's Great Cool 0811, if you want to check that out. Send me the link. I'll make sure it's in the show notes, Tony. 
Okay, will do, will do. But anyway, you can find the Filthy Netdeckers podcast on all social media. Follow us everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, apparently Twitch. You know, whatever. Uh, you can find me at MTG underscore Tony or Nate at Darth Heretic on Twitter. Um, if you want to follow me on TikTok, I'm Tony the Magic Man. Uh, almost 3,000 uh, followers over there. Wow. Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, Patreon.com slash Filthy Netdeckers if you want to join the greatest people on this earth. I want to thank you all. Feel free to share your deck list with us. It makes our jobs that much easier. Nate, that's it. We're done. Peace. See ya.